0: Hello, and welcome to Grain Insight, a CN update on getting your grain to market. I'm Stacy McCracken, and joining me is David Shednovic, Assistant Vice President for Grain. In part two of this three-part podcast on the rail washouts that CN experienced in Southern British Columbia in November, we're going to focus more on the rail network itself and what's happened since traffic movement resumed in Southern British Columbia. Coming back to the line between Kamloops and Vancouver, what makes it unique operationally?
1: Well, thanks, Stacey. And first to recap, the atmospheric river events that hit southern BC in mid-November resulted in dozens of washouts and mudslides on the CN main line between Kamloops and Vancouver, along with creating multiple washouts on the CN Squamish subdivision on the CN line between Prince George and Vancouver. At the same time, heavy snow melt in the mountains exacerbated the runoff, making matters far worse. Specifically for CN and moving from south to north on the line between Kamloops and Vancouver, The CN Yale subdivision, which runs from Douglas Island to Boston Bar, and the CN Ashcroft subdivision, running from Boston Bar to Kamloops, were impacted the most. There were also significant mainline disruptions on the CP mainline between Kamloops and Vancouver. That meant that all rail service was halted between Kamloops and Vancouver during the initial phases of the outage. Since 2000, CN and CP have operated their respective lines between Kamloops and Vancouver through the Fraser Canyon, effectively as a stretch of double track. Where CN and CP run westbound and down to Vancouver on the CN main line for roughly 166 miles, and CN and CP run eastbound and up out of Vancouver on the CP main line for roughly 160 miles. Effectively, this infrastructure is operated as a directional double track, increasing corridor capacity and fluidity relative to if CN and CP each ran bidirectionally directionally on their own track infrastructure. It's a smart approach to finite capacity. Back in the day, the CPR built down one side of the Fraser Canyon, and then later the Canadian Northern built down the other side. And the first line to build, of course, had the choice of what side to build on. It's not uncommon in the industry to have operating agreements when one railroad shares tracks with another railroad, and this stretch of road falls into that category. Normally, when there's a rail disruption in that stretch, only one of the two rail lines will be impacted, so it's possible for trains to be rerouted and for the railroad that has the main line outage to still have some traffic move on the other railway's main line. But in this case, what's unique is that both lines were initially knocked out.
0: CN and CP weren't the only railroads impacted in southern British Columbia. Can you provide a bit more detail here as well?
1: Yes, for sure. The Southern Railway of British Columbia, or SRY, also sustained major flooding damage. The SRY serves many customers in the Lower Mainland and the Fraser Valley, over 125 miles of track, running between New Westminster East to Langley and then into the Fraser Valley to places like Abbotsford, Sumas and Chilliwack, and receiving interchange traffic from four Class 1 railroads, including CN. The Fraser Valley is the heart of agricultural production in southern British Columbia with large livestock operations, along with the feed mills that produce feed for the farms. Chilliwack is home to Rogers Foods' main wheat milling operations in B.C., producing flour and cereal products with emphasis on markets in B.C. and Alberta. And besides the hardship for so many people in southern B.C. and the serious damage that homes and other infrastructure sustained due to the flooding, there was a significant loss of livestock due to the flooding as well. Across the border in Washington State, BNSF sustained damage to track infrastructure as well.
0: In the immediate term after the washouts first occurred, what did rail traffic management look like?
1: Well, let's first remember that traffic was halted entirely between Kamloops and Vancouver, period. You have Port Metro Vancouver handling roughly $700 million Canadian worth of goods daily, on top of all the traffic moving for final destination in southern BC, plus all the cross-border traffic that's interchanged in Vancouver. Job one was to get the line back up and running, and CN Engineering did exceptional work resolving outages, working up from Vancouver and down from Kamloops towards the most remote issues, the biggest being at Falls Creek Falls. Also remember, most major highways were knocked out at this time as well, so the only way to access much of the damage was by rail, repairing as you move into the mountains. On November 20th, a joint federal-provincial supply chain recovery working group was announced. To restore the flow of goods moving through BC and develop options for the contingency of transport and logistics for essential goods and materials. The group included all the major players in Vancouver, BC Government, Transport Canada, Port of Vancouver, CN, CP, SRY, BN and many others. All customers have their own traffic priorities, of course, but the province of BC also needed essential goods protected. Think of things like food, feed and fuel. CN worked closely with its supply chain partners to move that essential traffic and coordinated our movements with other rail carriers. For example, being able to get wheat to the mill that produces most of the flour consumed in BC is no small issue. That translates into food onto store shelves, and we moved that milling wheat as soon as we could.
0: There were also some exceptional opportunities for CN to help with recovery efforts. Can you give us a couple of examples of that?
1: Well, in one case, There was a patient up at Fraser Canyon Hospital in Hope that had serious injuries sustained in a mudslide and that required more specialized care that could be provided at the time at the hospital. Medical personnel worked their way on back roads from Surrey to Abbotsford to Chilliwack, where they met up with CN personnel. From there, the medical team got into a CN high rail vehicle. You may have seen one of these on the rail line before. It's basically a regular heavy duty truck with special equipment that allows it to ride on the rails, and it's normally used for track inspection. Well here the high rail vehicle was able to move north and get the medical team to the patient and who was subsequently moved by air down to Vancouver area for further treatment. Then there was the evacuation train. Roughly 200 people who had been on the roads when the mudslides hit had been stranded in Hope, unable to get back home because the highways were out of action. On November 17th CN was able to coordinate Emergency Management BC and Via Rail to move passengers from Hope down into the lower mainland with train stops at Chilliwack and Abbotsford, then arriving at Pacific Central Station in Vancouver at 2.30 in the morning on the 18th.
0: Moving ahead to the resumption of traffic movement, what does the timeline look like for supply chain recovery?
1: Well, we're making good progress. Remember first that there was some CN traffic moving in and out of Vancouver while the CN main line was out of service between Vancouver and Kamloops. Once CP resumed traffic movement on its main line between Kamloops and Vancouver midway through the week of November 21st, CN coordinated with CP to move some CN rail traffic on the CP main line. CN worked with CP on a daily operating plan to fleet traffic between Kamloops and Vancouver. By fleeting traffic, I mean that CN and CP would coordinate a window for CN to run a number of trains eastbound all in one shot, and then later a number of trains westbound. Well, between the sheer volume of the traffic that wants to move in and out of the Port of Vancouver every day, and considering the duration of the outage... The recovery of the supply chain, as it pertains to the Vancouver Corridor specifically and as a whole, will extend into the new year. From the get-go, the ability of the supply chain to recover from the washouts depended on the duration of the outage and the ability of customers to divert traffic away from Vancouver and into other corridors. CN's main line from Edmonton to Prince Rupert wasn't affected by the washouts, and many customers were able to divert traffic to the Prince Rupert Corridor, including coal, a bit of grain, and some intermodal. Others were able to divert traffic east. Prince Rupert is what makes CN's network unique. We directly access both major West Coast Canada ports, and that gives the CN network an added degree of resiliency. What was clear from the beginning was that it wasn't clear how long the outages would last as a result of the ongoing weather challenges. And for those customers with the ability to divert traffic away from the disruption into a corridor that could actually take the traffic, that would subsequently help the entire supply chain recover more quickly once traffic movement resumed. The situation was very dynamic at the time. Remember, there were two more atmospheric river events that hit southern BC and recall the heavy snowmelt that I described in our last podcast that made the water issues much worse. CN opened the mainline for a very short period of time, the weekend of November 27-28, and then experienced further mainline outages due to more washouts. Some customers moved very quickly to shift volumes, others had the opportunity to shift volumes but stayed put waiting to see how long the outage would last. For others... Based on the way their supply chain network is set up, they had no option. Their traffic had to move in or out of Vancouver. Now that we've been fully operational since the weekend of December 4-5, and we've been able to get our fluidity back by working through all of the trains that were staged on the CN network on either side of the disruption in the aftermath of the washouts, CN is working closely with its supply chain partners to identify traffic movement priorities and find ways to move as much traffic as possible with the capacity that it has to work with.
0: Thanks for your time, David. In Part 3 of this podcast series, we're going to focus on the end-to-end grain supply chain in relation to the impact of the washouts. Thanks for listening to Grain Insight, an update from CN.